a really interesting debate on the floor of the South Carolina House of Representatives regarding liquor sales on Sundays. But I got some more listener feedback, this time directly about the President of the United States. We'll start there on today's Corey Truax Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. I really do indeed have a show that's primarily going to focus on this particular President of the United States. And also a debate about liquor stores. Like, this is a show made for a Southern Baptist like me. My name is Corey Truax. I'll be your host for the show today, which works out because the show is named after me. Glad to have you with us if you're listening on Christian Talk 660 live on Saturday morning. Thank you if you're listening later on the podcast at Apple Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I could go on, Spotify, wherever you're listening, very genuinely, very touched and grateful when you do. Once we are finished with this listener feedback on the president, here's some other things I want to do on the show today. There's a really incredible story overseas of a... I just really want to celebrate the scientific achievement of what it is to take a, an unborn baby out of the womb, operate on the baby, and then put the baby back. It's truly an incredible story I'd hope to share with you. Also, only again, not because I want to, but because folks on the left tell me she's important, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has said yet another ridiculous thing. This is like her hobby. The way that I think about the NFL, just a fun thing I do every chance I get, she thinks about saying dumb things. It is her way, the thing that she does in her free time. I I do believe, though, that those two topics I mentioned are going to take most of the show. So before we dive right in, again, my name is Corey Truax. We are dedicated to smarter, deeper, better talk about everything here on the Corey Truax Show. And I'm also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets on 123 in Greenville. We'd glad to have you with, we would be glad to have you with us on Sunday mornings at 1030 for Beachwood Church. I had a good friend, Joy, who made a, made a great point about my show that the theme of it should be a specific thing. And I'm going to give you that theme in a moment. So before we get into these two main topics, the liquor store thing and also some listener feedback on the president and how I'm handling him, I just want to play for you a, a little clip to illustrate it. Uh, so here you go. This is just a couple times that this is said in the Three Stooges. Hey, what's the big idea? What's the big idea? And I could go on. That was a big theme of the Three Stooges, the big idea. So this is the theme of my show, right? I talk about this with that Eleanor Roosevelt quote all the time, that it's the small minds that talk about people and medium minds that talk about events, but it is the big minds that talk about ideas. And so as I see stories, my initial thing is not to do what I think the typical American thing is to do and just have some kind of visceral emotional reaction to the person, the personality, or the event, or the headline, but I ask myself, hey, how do we get there? What's the idea behind that story? What's the idea behind that person? And so for our two primary thoughts today... That's what we're going to do. What's the big idea? So here you go. I got, uh, really, I, I would call it humorous. It's a humorous set of criticisms that came about, I think it's four days of each other. One was through an email. The other was through a Facebook message. And by the way, you're welcome to email the show. It's Show at gmail.com. Show at gmail.com. Best place to get me. And also on all the social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. I got one message, an email from something of a friend. I mean, I don't know that we're close, but we have interacted a lot. And the accusation from her was, 
what whatever happened to your never trumpism? I thought you were never Trump, man. And now you're saying all these you're saying all these things that make you sound like a pro Trumper. Like you talk about how good the economy is and you talk about how he he doesn't seem crazy compared to the Democrats and you don't think anything's gonna come with a Mueller report. Like this is this is what she was alleging against me. Whatever happened to your never Trumpism? I thought you were a I hate to make fun of her. Maybe I should stop using that voice. Her uh her accusation was you have left your principles of being never Trump. So that was the first one. That came just a couple days after I hosted Dr. Beam show here. The, that's the morning show on Christian Talk 660, uh, where I from where I broadcast. And then I got a Facebook message from somebody who said, your comments, which I had purely, purely on social media, I never broadcast these comments, it was just only on my social media feeds, that the president handled his summit in Vietnam terribly. That it is, it is an actual immoral act for any president of the United States to treat the owner of gulags, concentration camps, the owner of the, the, the dictator of the country that is most guilty of human rights offenses on this planet right now, a deeply immoral regime. It is immoral for any president of the United States to bestow upon that leader such affection and adulation and adoration to say you take him at his word regarding Otto Warmbier, that is an objective, immoral thing. Now, you might come back and say, well, in the real politique, if you're a more sophisticated person, Corey, you're not seeing the world in black and white and morality and immorality, well, sometimes you have to interact with these terrible regimes. That's just part of politics. To which I would say, okay, I'll hear you out. I will hear you out on situational ethics, and I mean that. I mean, I have Reagan sitting down with Gorbachev. Uh, Gorbachev ends up being very different than some of his predecessors. But you had American presidents sitting down and with other Soviet leaders. There's certainly some place in the in the dirty world of diplomacy for good guys to sit down with bad guys. All right, cool. I'm, I can hear you out on some situational ethics there. But here's one thing you're going to have to show me. You're going to have to show me that there could could be a moral outcome. So you're saying, I am sacrificing this good. There, there is this good of not bringing legitimacy to a terrible and immoral regime, but we're going to get this other good thing out of it. What good thing did you get out of it, guys? What was the positive thing? That regime is still in power, and it's going to stay in power. Still going to be working on nuclear weapons. This was an immoral act. The President of the United States did it for his own renown, did it for his own press, did it for his own personal purposes. It was not for the betterment of anyone in his own country. In North Korea, it was for himself alone. It was absolutely an immoral act. And so I was saying that of the North Korea thing. And then here recently, I just reminded everybody that he's... Because of what happened really with his attorney... When Michael, what's his name, Brown? Nope, Cohen. When, when Michael Cohen went before Congress and says, you know, he had me pay off the porn star. Well, yeah, we are all already knew that. Wait, someone not convinced of that? Someone doesn't know that the President of the United States has committed adultery with countless women and paid off a big number of them so that they didn't talk about it? Oh, there's some people who actually think he's a decent human being. Oh, yeah, those people are cultists. They're crazy. Like, for the most part, most of the Trump people I know, They've already bought in. Like, they know. They know he's a crappy guy. They just don't care. They just think, well, I'm getting policy results that I want, so I don't care that he's a garbage human being. 
Then, now granted, there are some small group of people that think he's Jesus. They just think he's the anointed one of God, uh, and he's probably going to have a, a seat that Donald Trump is going to be seated next to Jesus at the right hand of God. There are crazy people out there, and they're immoral, insane people. They're just a small group. But in any, in any event, I got hit by one group. Like one, one girl wrote in, one woman wrote in and said, you're being too nice to the president. I thought you were never Trump. And then I had another person say, you're not understanding what's going on in North Korea, and you are you just can't get over your sour grapes. Uh, that person also mentioned Ted Cruz. Like, you just can't get over the Ted Cruz lost. Rah, rah, rah. And I loved that I got two messages within four days of each other, one saying, you're too nice to the president, and the other saying, you're too never Trump. Ah, because this allows me to ask the question, what's the big idea? And so let's walk down a long road together. That's quite important. If you are one of my listeners, and you hear news about the president, and no matter what it is, you get nauseous about it, and you get angry about it, and your, your heart rate increases, and you just know literally everything coming out of the president is evil and terrible and horrible, you, listen, you're irrational. You need to grow up. That's an irrational way to live. Also, if you're a listener of mine, and you think the president deserves the benefit of the doubt, and he has got the country, the country uh, and, and its well-being at the, the core of who he is, and he's a good man fighting for the good things and nothing, and you can, you can literally identify nothing that you disagree with, you're an irrational person. You need to grow up. You need to put a brain in your skull and start thinking through things. If you live in either one of those worlds, that everything associated with him is evil or everything associated with him is the best thing that's ever been on the planet, you're crazy and you need to grow up. You need to come on up here into adulthood with everyone else where you don't see him as the devil, not as Beelzebub, and you don't see him as Jesus Christ. You don't see him as the hero of all things. Because with all human beings, the truth is somewhere in between. And I can do both things. I can say, hey, yeah, I sure do like a tax cut. That's fun. Hey, look, unemployment's lower than it's ever been. Oh, man, these Democrats sure are insane and want socialist policies that have ruined other countries where they've been implemented. Oh, and yeah, uh, I don't think he actually ever colluded with Russia because there's no evidence of that. I can do all of that and then say, oh, yeah, the president of the United States is a horrible human being. Like he's, he's lived his whole life as a pagan reprobate who does pagan reprobate things, and also that thing he did with North Korea, that was deeply immoral and wrong and not good for the United States. I can do both of those things because watch, get this. Oh, this is going to be very impressive. I'm an adult. I'm a rational human. I can actually, listen to me, you can too. You can evaluate things based on their rightness and wrongness. You can evaluate events based on their truth versus their falseness. You don't have to be dominated by personalities. This is something we all should have gotten past in middle school, guys, where we decided this was the group we don't like. These are the people that are mean to us. We don't like them. And so literally everything they do annoys us and we don't like. Oh, and these are my friends. These are the folks that I support. And so everything they did, you would find a way to rationalize. Everybody. That listen, I know I don't have a huge audience, but for you, dozens and dozens, <laughs> the dozens of people who are listening, we got to be better than that, man. We've got to be better than that, ma'am. We got to think deeper than the president did it, it's bad, or the president did it, it's good. And then we got to help people 
come along. That's just not, it's not a rational way to live. It's also not a healthy way to live. It's not healthy to associate any given personality with that which is good or that which is evil purely. We have, we have to evaluate actions. What did they do? Was it good or was it bad? What was the effect of it? Now, this, this is what I do. right? I, I see a thing, and so I, I, the event here is I've been accused of being too friendly to Trump and too, uh, too, too hard on him. I've been, that's the event, I'm the person, so that's for the small mind and the medium minds, but then there's the big idea behind it, and that big idea behind it is our willingness to associate good or bad with a personality instead of evaluating things on their face. This is not just with the president. This is not just with this one personality. This goes deeper than that. I have examples for you and some things to think through. So that's what we're going to do for a big chunk of the day today is let's figure out how we're evaluating right and wrong, true and false, and make sure we're doing it in a rational, mature way. We'll do that and a little bit more on today's Corey Truax Show. Stick with us. Before getting back to the show, I want to tell you about my friends over at Blacktop Media. You can find Blacktop Media on Facebook, or you can contact me directly, as one of you has already done, to get their contact information. These folks are your solution for branding and marketing for brand management. So if you're part of an organization, a business, you are an entrepreneur, you're a band, you're a, even a church, wherever you might need some help with defining what you do, your brand, and then getting that message packaged in a way that's appealing to people, and then finding a way to get that message to people, to get it to the right people, uh, not just broadcasting your message, but narrow casting it to the people who would be find your service, your product, your whatever it is, uh, to the right audience, you need to get with Blacktop Media. They helped me launch CoreyTruax.com. They helped me launch my iTunes and Apple podcast feeds. These are This is a, a really capable and creative group of people that can be a big part of your solution in getting your brand to the most and most relevant, most people in the most relevant audience. Uh, so find Blacktop Media. If they're out there on Facebook or contact me directly for their contact information. They will be your solution for all your brand management needs. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show. Connect to the show on or at your convenience. I was going to say on demand, but I switched it midstream because I'm a professional broadcaster. On demand and at your convenience at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or I guess the other one's Snapchat. That, that one's still out there. The kids the kids love the Snapchatting and also the Instagramming. So uh, find me there, Corey Truax. You can communicate with the show there. The email address for the show is Show at gmail.com, Show at gmail.com. So I get this listener feedback that within four days of each other, hey, you're being too friendly to the president. I thought you were a principled never-Trumper. And then also, you're being too hard on the president because you're such a never, because you're such a principled never-Trumper. And so this was the, the two inputs I had, and I found it super fun because this is uh, when you're a person who is a thinking person and who evaluates events uh, based on your principles and your ideas and not whether or not they're on your team or they're, they've got your, your, your ideological stripe. You know, you're just evaluating based on what you understand to be true and false. Then it confuses people. I'm about to run a little bit of a Christian worldview tangent. Stick with me. We're coming back to the heart of this matter. This is actually one of my favorite Tim Keller points. Tim Keller was a longtime pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. He's my favorite Presbyterian. I call him the Yoda of Christianity. He has this great point about the authenticity of Christianity 
being argued for by its uniqueness. That in the Western world, folks like us uh, in the Western world, America, Europe, we look at Christianity and we love the parts that are about forgiveness and reconciliation. We love the parts that are about generosity and fairness and justice. Like we love those parts of it. And then we're somewhat uncomfortable with some of the rules. You know, we're not we're not really on board for the Bible's sexual ethics. We think they're a little bit outdated and, and for gender roles uh, and the role of marriage in society. We're not a big fan of those things. But, man, we love all that love your neighbor stuff. And then in Eastern cultures, not just like Islamic cultures, you could count them in this, uh, but even going into China, Japan, and the Eastern cultures, they cannot believe how much of it is about forgiveness and reconciliation. Those are called honor cultures. And so if you dishonor my family, dishonor me, well, there has to be consequences for it. There needs to be justice, not forgiveness and reconciliation. But, man, they love the parts that are about sexual ethics, and the role of marriage and family, and they, they love the parts about God's wrath or justice. Over here in the West, we don't like those parts about Christianity. And Tim Keller's point is, you know the only thing that could both make happy and angry uh, every side of every culture all over the planet? The truth. That's why Christianity is unique. It has parts to offend everybody and parts to please everybody. Now, I'm not, I am not, you listen closely to me, I am not comparing my own political ideology to Christianity. But one of the things I do find satisfying is that folks on the left and the right don't like me. That there's ideologues on both ends that say, no, play for my team, argue for my team. You need to be on my team no matter what my team does. And I say, uh, no, not, not going to do that. I'm going to be a thinking, sentient human being who evaluates news and events and personalities based on rightness and wrongness and not whether or not it helps my stupid team. Because teams are stupid, especially when it comes to policy and government. So that was the Trump feedback, but this is a broader idea. People do this with everything else. Let me give you some other examples. We'll take abortion for a minute. This has been, for whatever reason, not really the right. It's been mostly the left since Democrats took over some state legislatures and congressional seats in the midterm elections. They seem to really want to push their very radical pro-abortion stance. But So let's, for example, then take Ben Sass. Ben Sass decides to respond. He goes with that bill in Congress that says, really, it's not an abortion bill, which is odd. I mean, people were talking about it as an abortion bill. It has really nothing to do with abortion. The idea that you should have to give medical care to a child who was born, even if that child survived an abortion... We're not talking about abortion anymore. Now we're talking about a human being. Like literally, what we're we, what we're talking about is not relevant to abortion. It is not an abortion bill, and Democrats in tot- in totality voted against it. Just recall that they voted for the same, basically the same bill ten years ago, Infant Born Alive Act. I mean, this was this went a little bit further, but not much further. But Democrats, the vast majority, voted for it. You go back to the partial birth abortion ban in 2002, I think is when George W. Bush got that done. Partial birth abortion ban at least was the some of the babies still in the womb, and Democrats were in favor of that. And now it's if the baby's outside the womb, and they try, tried to abort it, and that, that kid was just too resilient and wouldn't die, we can still kill him outside the womb. Well, what, how'd they get there? What was the purpose in that? It's when you stop evaluating things based on right and wrong, and you start evaluating it based on the personalities and the teams. 
So the folks on the left knew, Republicans are bad, Republicans are evil, Republicans like it, therefore I don't, so I vote against it. The president's bad, the president's evil, the president wants it, therefore I hate it. That's what happens to people's brains. They get all messed up because they were thinking about their teams instead of what's right and wrong. This happens with border security and the wall. I thought about playing the audio, but I'm sure you've all heard it or at least seen it on different news stations. In the last 15 years, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, every Democrat you can think of, has been on the floor of the House or the Senate talking about the need for border security and a border wall and fencing. This is stuff that used to be super normal for folks on the left. But the team's changed. The idea's not any different. The ideas are all the same. Of course we need a wall. Of course we need a border. But the team's changed. Oh, Republicans want it. Republicans are evil, and therefore we can't do it. I vote against it. The president's evil. The president's bad. Therefore I vote against it. Is, any, is there any logical reason we, you wanted fencing and now you don't? No. Just based on the personalities. That's, that's totally, in totality, that's all it is. The personalities dictate what I believe. That is irrational. It's immature. It's really dumb. This connected another another way here recently with Joe Biden. Joe Biden, by the time I actually post this podcast, this like he might have already announced that he's running for president. He's soon to run. There was a a tweet he sent out about ten days ago regarding Mike Pence and how uh, you know he was somewhat disappointed in Mike Pence for not talking about how the president behaved in North and uh, Vietnam with that North Korea summit. But then he said, but Mike, you know, Mike Pence is a fundamentally decent man. So Joe Biden says of Mike Pence, the former governor of Indiana, now the vice president, says he's a decent person. The left wing went nuts on Joe Biden. You're not allowed to say that. So this guy, who's basically done nothing in his whole life, like he's, I mean, he's associated with the president, but he's basically just been a very milk toast character been a decent human being to everybody around him his whole life. The left goes to Joe Biden, and it's, how dare you? How dare you say he's a decent person? He's on Team Trump. He's on Team Conservative. He's on Team Right Wing. We have to hate him. That's, that's the rules. And so what Joe Biden do? He comes out, and he says, I shouldn't have said he was a decent person. This used to be very normal for Joe Biden, by the way. He said that of John McCain. He said that of... You know, when, when Obama-Biden was the ticket against McCain-Palin, Biden still said nice things about McCain. If you remember, John McCain got that insane woman at a rally, and this insane woman is, oh, Obama's an Arab, and jo- whatever that even means. And John McCain says, no, no, he's a decent person. But granted, Barack Obama, I don't know that he's a decent person. I know his ideology is evil. But there's John McCain saying, no, no, he's, in, he's a decent human being. Guys, that was just 2008. That was 11 years ago. It used to be actually really normal for people on different sides not to say the other one is fundamentally an evil person. But that's where we are now. With the need to feel morally superior to someone else, we have built a structure where if they're on the other team, you have to despise them and hate them and want to destroy them. And that's what the, the brain does. So the, the, the human brain connects to my tribe, my group. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. And so I, anything I hear, I, just, I want it to confirm my bias and continue, help me continue to believe what I already believe. This happens 
not just with issues like abortion and the wall happened to Joe Biden. He, he found the, the wrath of the idea of saying about the other side, they're a decent person. I could take this to something local here, and I'm about to make some of you uncomfortable. This isn't any different than some of the reaction I've seen uh, before I drop this hammer, or at least drop this point. Let me back up a smidge. My point here being, the same mindset, so pay attention closely, the same mindset that would have someone email me and say, you're too nice to the president. And that same mindset for the person who writes to me and says, you're being too hard on the president. And the mindset that would allow someone to vote for an infant born alive act 10 years ago and then vote against it 10 years later, the mindset that would have someone be for border security and then against it 10 years later, the mindset that has Joe Biden saying something nice about a Republican and then the left going nuts on him, the mindset is what I saw illustrated online over what's happening with Newspring right now in South Carolina. I know not all of the listenerships in Newspring. If you don't know them, they're the biggest church in the state. It's a big mega church, 13 or 14 campuses. I don't know how many. Giant, giant church. And right now they're under two uh, lawsuits regarding someone who uh, was part uh, or was volunteering in their kids' care, their child care during the church services there. That's, it's, it certainly does appear has done some terrible things to kids in that, uh, to kids in that, min, in that part of their ministry. But the, uh, the reaction I've seen online has been predictable, and it's been along these lines here. There are those that were already predisposed to say, New Spring's a terrible place, we don't like it, and so here's my hard criticism on New Spring over this problem. And there are those that are predisposed to be super pro New Spring who have the exact opposite reaction, just defend for the sake of defending. But no one seems to actually just want to stop and read the facts and react to the facts. I mean, here, here, I'll be that person. Of course, what happened there for, for New Spring was tragic. Do you not know that this happens outside of mega churches? We just had a giant report from the Houston Chronicle. This happens in churches everywhere. Terrible things happen in churches everywhere. Mega churches and small churches and little country churches. Like, this is super sad. It's tragic. It's not unique to New Spring. That's crazy. But everyone has their predisposition to a reaction, and anything they hear, they want to put into that predisposition so that they can feel good about themselves, feel indignant when they want to feel indignant, feel righteous when they want to feel righteous. That's where we are. So, I want to finish that point up with this. So, through that listener feedback and thinking through these other topics, we have a problem where we are too loyal to the wrong things. Here's some things you should not be loyal to. You should not be loyal to any politician. I'm going to call that what it is. That's really dumb. If you feel loyalty to Donald Trump, that's crazy. Guys, 10 years ago, he was a reality show host. 10 years from now, you'll never remember him. Why are you so emotionally attached to him? That's crazy. And also, if you hate him so much that he causes a, like a reaction in you all the time. Guys, he was, like he used 10 years ago, he was apprentice, he was a character on The Apprentice, he was building buildings, and 10 years from now, you're not going to remember him anymore. Calm down! Don't let anyone have that power over you. That's a key point. 
Don't give anyone that power. Don't let anyone dominate you that way. Don't get so attached to some personality. I mean, maybe care about your family that much, but sheesh, not much more than that, all right? And then that second point, I don't know, it feels like I'm, it sort of feels like I'm doing a recap of all of 2018's shows. But I'm going to say this key point again. Evaluate events, not people. We Find your values. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? Have a good reason for believing it. Once you've figured all that out, evaluate what you see in the news based on that. You can't take these shortcuts, these intellectual shortcuts. I have found that to be the case amongst younger people, uh, left and right. So uh, folks a little bit younger than I am, maybe my age, they... They know some things about both parties, and so they use the limited knowledge they have as a proxy for actually having to do the hard work of making real decisions. I'll use both examples. So those who are really pro-life, the abortion thing is very important to them. Well, they know that Republicans are the pro-life ones and Democrats are the pro-abortion ones, and so when there is a hard issue and they're not really sure what to do. They just default to republicanism because they know this party agrees with them on this one thing, so they probably agree with me on some other things. The folks on the left, same thing you do with abortion for a long time, for folks younger than me, for whatever reason, for folks younger than me, there is like nothing more important for some chunk of them than you being for gay marriage. Like you really got to be for for all the LGBT stuff. And so they know Republicans generally have been against that. Democrats have been generally for it. And so when they're confused about a topic and they don't really know what's going on, may, may that be... Uh, actually, I saw... Oh, I have a good example. I saw this in college. I was, I, I was part of several nerdy things in college, one of them being like a mock legislature. We would go to the House and Senate, like the real House and Senate in Columbia, and debate bills. So I was able to debate students from Clemson and South Carolina and all the other colleges in South Carolina when I was a student at North Greenville University. And I found that to be the case, that when someone would bring up like an environmental policy and they were confused by it, they weren't really sure, they just knew what team they were on. They, they knew what they were... What, what, the person who's for this environmental thing, I don't really know about it, but I know they're with me on some other stuff that I actually do care about. And so I'm going to use that other stuff I care about as a proxy to decide that I agree with this other point. So we can't be those people. Don't let any personality dominate you and dominate your emotions that way. But second, be smarter. Do the work. Yeah, it's hard to be an adult. It's hard to be a rational person. It's hard to go through the intellectual rigor of figuring out what works and what doesn't work. But you know what? It's worth it. Go ahead and do the work. Now, I did tell you that I wanted to get to this thing on the liquor store policy I saw in South Carolina. But since we are limited on time for the final part of this segment, let me do a little bit of a faster story. There was a story out of the UK, out of Britain, that blew my mind. So here are your details. Here's the headline. Let me just give you the the headline because the people over in in Britain say mum. Mum means mother. Here's the headline. Unborn baby removed from mum's womb for surgery and then put back. Here's the shortest version of the story. This 26-year-old woman, her husband, they're, she's pregnant, I guess. I was going to say they're pregnant. Don't think that's how it works. And she finds out 20 weeks in, her baby has spina bifida. And so she is urged to end her pregnancy, to go ahead and 
terminate the kid. That's apparently what they do in Britain. And there is a new surgery that folks over here, and then in conjunction with folks in Britain, I think it was also Belgium, have come up with. Yeah, it's Belgium. Where they operate on mom, put her under, remove the child, do some kind of surgery that corrects the spina bifida, put the child back, and then that baby's going to be born and he's going to walk. Or she, it's a girl. And she's going she's gonna to walk. What? Like that's how far we've gotten in medicine. Like this is what a like what a time to be alive. And it's also this is a very important moment I think for the pro-life movement. This is not hard to this is not hard for people on any side of that debate to visualize. Like this is real. Like here's a child in the womb alive. 20 weeks in. Remember, we have laws in this country. There's one of the big lines is 20 weeks. Like, can you have an abortion after 20 weeks? This, uh, that's when, are they pain capable or not? Like, this is a, an entire debate we have. Well, over in the UK, they took a 20, well, actually, they waited until 24 weeks. They went, they waited until 24 weeks, literally removed the child, fixed her spine, put her back, and she's going to be born and she's going to walk. It's, we, we should take some time to be grateful that we live at the time that we do, that medicine is, is as advanced as it is. But this should also be a stark reminder that the same child that could be operated on and healed so that, that she could walk when she's born, that same child in this country, for sheer convenience, for no other reason that Mom doesn't want her. That child's life can be snuffed out instead. So let's celebrate. Celebrate the medicine, but then also recognize the stark contrast. These are the stories we do need to be sharing because this is where you don't even have to make the argument. Like, you don't even have to say a pro-life thing. You just post the story. You just post the reality that there's a child that survived outside the womb in that way. All right, when we come back, I do want to get to this liquor store story and also some uh, news from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We'll do all of that when we return on The Corey Truax Show. Welcome in for the final segment of The Corey Truax Show. Glad to have you with us on Christian Talk 660 and 92.9 FM or over on the podcast, wherever you are listening. I am grateful for it and always grateful when you share the show with others. Like, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed you listen. Tell someone about it. Even share share the link with somebody. Yeah, genuinely. I do mean it. It's it's great to see a little bit of growth where it happens on these podcast numbers. So thank you for helping me do that. I got sent a story from, I don't even think this is a listener. I think it's a friend because I know this person personally and I doubt they listen to my show. Uh, so it's an older story. It's the end of January. So here we are about six weeks after it's publishing. But there was apparently a very heated debate on the floor of the South Carolina House over allowing liquor stores to sell alcohol on Sunday. Depending on where you're listening, you may not know this, especially in the Southeast, that is not normal. Like It's normal to ban alcohol sales on Sunday. You know, it's the old blue laws. There are states and counties in some southern states that are now allowing alcohol sales on Sundays, but it has to be a restaurant or... Uh, it has to be in a bar, but you can't just go to a liquor store. So liquor stores are actually closed on Sundays in 
giant chunks of the South. And there was a bill on the floor of the House in South Carolina to allow 10 counties in South Carolina to sell, if a liquor store, a liquor store wanted to be open in uh, on a Sunday in those 10 counties, they would they'd be allowed to. I don't know all 10 of the counties, but the way it was written by the representative was the the counties most responsible for uh, our tourism here in South Carolina. So that would be places like Charleston, I'm sure Berkeley County down in the low country, Horry County, which is where Myrtle Beach is, I'm sure Greenville-Spartanburg, uh, Richland-Lexington, that's where Columbia area is. I'm sure it would include York County. I'm looking for the, looking for the story. I think, yeah, York County is included. York County in South Carolina is basically just Charlotte now. It's about 30 miles south of Charlotte. A lot of people who work in Charlotte live in York County down in that Rock Hill area. And so th- this was the bill to allow liquor stores to be opened on Sundays. So quick word first on the idea. I am fairly libertarian. Uh, the libertarians don't say so. The libertarians don't like me either. I am. I just got no problem with this. the uh, The idea that government has a role in deciding when liquor stores can be open. I especially just like on Sundays alone. I just don't say they have a role for it. Like it's not what government's there for. I can see some argument regarding when they close. Like I know that we close them at seven p.m. Or eight? I don't know when. There's a. It's early in the evening, is my point, in South Carolina. And that idea being, well, if you're providing alcohol late to an evening, you maybe you're encouraging more late night drunk driving. You could have some public health argument, maybe, but just the idea that a government has the right to tell a business owner you can't be open these hours. I don't like it, even if I don't like the business, and I don't like the business for the for the liquor stores, but. This is uh, this is not a role of government. That's where I, I immediately start. Uh, but then there's a lot of other stupid things in the story I want to get to. So I'm reading to you from the state. This is uh, the newspaper that comes out of Columbia. Here we go. A proposal to allow expanded Sunday liquor sales in 10 tourist-heavy counties sparked a tense debate Thursday between evangelicals and a state lawmaker who calls the evangelicals hypocrites. Right? So evangelicals, that's something I would count myself among. Here we go. This is from Todd Rutherford. He's a Democrat from Richland. He's also a objectively bad person. This is the guy who called Dabo Sweeney out for accepting a reward for Palmetto Family Council. And it was Palmetto Family Council was uh, objectively a bad group because uh, they're not for all the LGBT stuff. Like Todd Rutherford is a is a really bad person who traffics in tactics that border on you can't call it mob. And because he's an African American red guy, I can't call I can't say it borders on thuggery because then I'm gonna get in trouble. So choose whatever word you want. I would say the same thing of any white representative. His tactics are immoral. Uh, they're intimidation, and he has all the wrong ideas. But so here's what then Todd Rutherford says on the floor of the house: Judge not, lest ye be judge. He quotes quoting the Bible there as he began, this is what the story says, as he began a minutes-long heated response to a Republican lawmaker. Now, uh, this is, I wanted to bring this up because this is the most abused and bastardized piece of Scripture there is. Judge not lest you be judged does not mean this. Here's what apparently Todd Rutherford believes. I'm not surprised he believes this because, again, he's not a bright person. And these folks that 
are outside of the Christian faith who seem to think they're, they're experts on the Christian faith. These, these people blow my mind. The people who think they know the most about the Bible are the people who don't actually read it, who aren't actually part of the faith. And here's Todd Rutherford quoting, Judge not, lest ye be judged, as if that means never judge anyone ever, ever, ever. Yeah, that's not what that means. Actually, Todd, literally pages later, Jesus will say, Judge righteous judgment. Just judge rightly. When you judge, judge rightly by the right standards. This is not so judge not lest you be judged. Does not mean that. And it feels I think that's Matthew seven, by the way. Yeah, I'm almost positive that's Matthew seven. That that there's folks that seem like they think that's the only thing in the Bible. Just never judge anything ever. And they don't even pick up the irony that you're now judging me for judging you. And so I say right back to you, judge not, Todd Rutherford. Now, Todd Rutherford's rest of his argument here is not terrible because he was responding to a Republican lawmaker who said this this was his problem. South Carolinians don't want to see customers entering liquor stores as they drive home from church. Oh boy, that is a dumb comment. So whoever the Republican lawmaker was that said that? Oh man, let me fix so much of it. The one who cares what you don't want to see? You don't want to see people walking into a liquor store? Why on earth do you think you're important enough that we're supposed to make entire laws based on what you don't want to see? I'm sure this is the exact person who would call college students snowflakes because they were triggered by something that offended them. All right, whoever you're the Republican lawmaker who said that said this is, Quit being a snowflake. Grow up. You can't be triggered by people walking into a liquor store. I've heard someone else argue about this before. Well, I don't want to be behind somebody in the gas station where they got a bunch of beer in their hand. Who cares what you want? Who, like, seriously, this is your argument? Well, I don't want to. So that person should have imposed upon them my desire. You don't get to live that way. We don't make laws based on whether or not you think it's convenient. That's an incredibly self-centered way to live. And so this Republican lawmaker lawmaker who says, well, customers don't want to see people going into liquor stores. Who cares what they want? Like, it's not a thing we do. Number two, he says, as they drive home from church. Oh, as if that's a problem in the state? What's our church-going population in the state? 10% of the state? Probably a little bit less than that is showing up to church on Sundays. This is... Lawmaking by tradition, not by logic and not by reason. Now there are, I'm sure there are logical reasons to oppose liquor sales at different times, but that's not one of them. People don't want to see that. Well, people can get over it. That's not how adult life works. Continue, continuing on in the story. A House Judiciary Committee panel passed a proposal to allow the sales after nearly an hour of debate in which Representative John McCravey, I believe he's a Republican, uh, they decried liquor as a danger to public health and safety. All right, there's some argument there. I actually have argued that I think, about to get maybe get some trouble with some people, I think it's at least, there's an, at least uh, a logical argument to say alcohol is a bigger public health threat than marijuana. I will tell you this, uh, I, I think I'm totally right on this. If we discovered both of them today, so up until 2019, we didn't know alcohol existed and we didn't know marijuana existed. If we discovered them today, there is no question alcohol would be the more regulated substance than marijuana. 
alcohol has just had the advantage of being the one we've known about the longest and have been, has been accepted by more of the the gentility in our in our populace. I, I can't read the rest of the story because we've got to go faster here, but I, what what he argues, but it looks like it's McCravey who actually said the thing. He said he's the one that said, here's the quote. People coming home from church don't want to see a liquor store open. I guess I'm old-fashioned. Yes, you are, Representative McCravey. And old-fashionedness is not a reason to pass a law. Logic, reason, morality, these are the reasons to pass a law. Not because that's not the way my grandpappy did it. Who? No one cares how your grandpappy did it. All right? We, we, do, we do things because they're logical and reasonable, not because... You're, it's how they've always been done. That's a terrible way to live. Um, here's something. Some other things McCravey said. Uh, he expressed concern the bill would create a slippery slope toward 24-hour liquor sales. Okay, it's a legal substance. It's totally arbitrary that you've decided to block out certain hours where you can't buy the thing. He says he doesn't want to create a slippery slippery slope where South Carolinians have to see a liquor store on every corner. Again. Total arbitrary, like, this is arbitrary. People don't want to see it. You know what will happen if people don't want to see it? The market will dictate that. If the market dictates enough demand for liquor stores on every corner, well, that's a cultural problem. We've got to solve that in the culture. We don't solve that with the law. You can't legislate a moral people. We actually have to change the people. I could continue on. I really need to stop. I want to get to two more stories here in our final five minutes or so. It's, it's just I read the story and saw illogic and bad arguments everywhere. Like Todd Rutherford's argument about don't judge and McCravey's argument about, well, I don't feel comfortable seeing a thing. Oh, like, I don't know. There's just a, a deficiency in the argumentation, a deficiency in the intellectual level of argument that I get really discouraged by. Uh, but in short, I, I don't know that the bill will end up passing. If it does, it's certainly not a tragedy. It's not even a tragedy for the Christian worldview. We change the people. We want to influence the laws, but in this particular case, I think we're talking about tradition more than we're talking about theology, and we certainly should care about theology much more than we care about tradition. Two more stories, and we'll call it a day. At least I hope two more stories. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the old AOC. Again, she's been told. I've been told she's a big deal, so I should pay attention to her, so I'm going to do what I'm told and pay attention to her. She got called out by the New York Post, so that's a liberal... Uh, a liberal organization, a liberal publication, because her lifestyle doesn't match her, uh, does not match her rhetoric on the Green New Deal. So she says the world's going to end in 12 years, and then here's here's the Green New Deal where we got to find a way to end air travel and stop producing so many cows and get off all fossil fuels because the world is going to end through global warming in 12 years. And then they find that they spent some of the highest number of dollars as a campaign on Uber and Lyft. So they're driving more cars. Uh, they, they, here's just one stat. Um, she, her headquarters for the campaign was a one-minute walk to the 7 train, the 7 line in New York City, but they spent $23,000 on car, uh, car transportation instead of taking the train. It also appears she's taking cars in and out of the Capitol instead of taking public transportation into... Uh, into into DC every day. I, I, there was a lot more to this, but they're basically just calling her a hypocrite uh, for living a life that produces a lot of carbon. That was their their claim that she actually has a larger carbon footprint 
than the average member of Congress. They had a larger carbon footprint than the average campaign. And so how conscientious is she really? How much does she really mean this, her, her dedication to the environment, when she has such a large carbon footprint? Her response was, I'm just living in the world. I'm just living in the world as it is. So I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of these calling them out for hypocrisy stories, but I would make one argument here. It does illustrate to me she doesn't mean it. The same way when Al Gore had the bigger footprint, carbon footprint than George W. Bush in the 2000 campaign, it does mean to me you don't mean it. You don't actually think the catastrophic thing is going to happen. This happened with a couple Hollywood stars who are big in the, um, uh, the global warming thing who bought homes on the beach in Miami. I believe Al Gore bought a house in Santa Monica, I think, Santa Monica, California. I'm almost positive that's true. Uh, near the beach as well. And so all it says to me, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and it says of Al Gore, it says of a lot of these celebrities, you say the thing, but you don't mean it. You don't actually believe that the the seas are going to rise to an extent of catastrophe. You don't actually think the things you say. You want some influence, you want some power, but you don't actually believe in the consequences of what you're saying. That doesn't mean anything about my own philosophy about environmental regulation. It just means that they're all liars, and she is, she is a liar on this. She doesn't actually believe what she says about the environment. You know, one of my syllogisms on this over the years has been you know, 30, 40 years ago, whatever it was, uh, it was, you know, we're going to have a population bomb, and the only solution is to give the government more power over different parts of the economy. And then we're, we're going to have global cooling, a global freeze, and so the only solution is to give the government the power over the energy sector. And then we're going to have global warming, and the only solution is to give government the control over the energy sector and oil production. And now we're just going to have general climate change, and the only solution is to give the government more power over the energy sector. There only seems to be one <laughs> real theme here, and the theme is give the government more power. And that seems to be the only thing they're really wanting. Okay, I've run out of time. I can't get to that that second story I wanted to get to. Maybe we'll save it for next week, but two quick programming notes. Heath will be back next week for the sports segment. We do want to talk about those two transgender athletes in Connecticut and some of the other transgender athletes in wrestling that are getting involved in the sports world. And certainly we'll talk about that from a sports perspective, but even more broadly, the morality of that and how to, how to think through it and how to talk about it. So Heath and I will do that on the sports segment next week. Also, Captain Marvel, the movie, is coming. I am really excited about it. I hope to do some kind of review of the Captain Marvel movie on the show next week as well. In the meantime, here's what I would ask of you as we close up the show today. We have all kinds of ways to share the show. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and your own social media. If you want to tell someone about it, it's highly appreciated. Follow me on Instagram. I'm doing a lot more work over there now. I just stay in touch with listenership and those that follow the show. Uh, there's also CoreyTruax.com where we're trying to do some more stuff. Uh, just uh, just so you know, all the different ways out there to connect to the show and support it. If you believe in what we're doing, you can support the show on Anchor. There's a few folks out there now that are just giving giving to the show, donating to the show monthly. Uh, if you find value in the show, certainly I would be highly appreciative if you would uh, support the show there so we can continue to make it better as time goes by. I would mention one other quick thing. There could be some exciting news coming, so hold me accountable to that over the next few weeks. Something new might be coming for the Corey Truax Show. Hope to be able to share that with you very soon, a new opportunity, uh, maybe for all of us, the, certainly me and also the listenership. Uh, share the show wherever you can on social media. Until next time, everybody, peace and love.